Uh, did you guys watch Batman Beyond when you were kids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> make Three fine folks discuss fictional finance, make believe money. Welcome to Make Believe Money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about Batman, Batman, specifically Batman Begins, Batman Begins. Um, and whether that movie is set in a world without Enron. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to learn a lot this time around because the whole Enron business was like sort of. I knew above that we were supposed to be mad. You yes. Know, I knew we were supposed know, to be like, very it mad. It felt like an evil company because Dick Cheney has a bad face. I taught <laughs> a class to some undergrads the other day and I mentioned Enron and they all looked at me with blank stares. Like, it's fine <sighs> if you don't know what it was, but they didn't even, they never heard the name. Really? Not once. And I was like. Cool, I'm old and dead, and then I went and I died. <laughs> I and buried and myself, died. and it was the end of it. I had myself a delicious praline candy. And <laughs> <laughs> One more Werther's, and then it was it was the overtimes. Uh, okay, so I feel like I've got a lot to learn about Enron today, but how do we feel about Batman? Especially this movie, Batman Begins. Batman Begins? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to do a plot really quick? Yeah, do plot real quick, Damon. So Batman um, Begins. <laughs> done done uh, so anyway in the movie <laughs> no uh batman begins is a 2005 uh adaptation of the batman comic book character from the 1930s I'm glad you had the date. uh up till now he nailed it too who man. um uh it tells uh a what would come to be called grim dark origin story of uh, the Batman character in a fairly like true I'm using hella air quotes right now true to life uh, scenario of like what it would take to realize this uh, character. Somebody disagrees. I was gonna I was say, say Jordan Jordan a big opinions. Batman fan, and it sounds like you didn't like this one. No, I actually like. Uh, I like the Nolan series fine. I think that it created a certain brand of nerd that just oh. does not make for very healthy just atmospheres and discourse. Yeah. Um, yeah the films themselves are great. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about Nolan as a, a director. Oh. Um, I feel like no more auteurs, you know? But I think that, I think that uh, Begins and Dark Knight, or at least, are excellent movies. Yeah, they're fine. So, yeah. yeah, Dark Knight especially is is a very good movie. You can say what you want about like is it how it everything that happened Batman around it yeah. and everything yeah. else, and yeah, the way it was made and, and everything else. But like the movie itself turned out very good. Yeah, it's a very good movie. The weird idolization, My really... of the Joker that happened afterward. <laughs> Again, there's there's yeah. it's it, I'm not saying <laughs> everything in the world Doesn't is great. Not come without baggage. My <laughs> only problem with it is the literally two movies that they just like smooshed together. Yes. Nolan read two scripts for like what they could do for the second one. He was like, "Fuck it, let's do them both." Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel fair. like Harvey Dent got the straight end of the stick on that one. Yeah. Uh, but this first movie. But yeah. Anyway. A little bit more plot. A little bit more plot. So um, I'm not lying when I say that it begins. It's really just the origin story of Batman, uh, from the distraught child up through um, mass crime fighter. Of um, um, robber murders Martha and. 
James Thomas Thomas Wayne in yeah. an alleyway after an opera that they took their son to, like knobs. Because I think they're bad parents. I think they're bad parents. <laughs> they're also bad opera attendees. Yeah. I think they, they like leave like halfway through. Yeah, yeah seriously, those also, tickets are expensive. <laughs> of course, they're bad parents. They abandoned him as a child. Um, <laughs> so Batman loses his parents in this tragedy. Um, he takes it hoard. difficultly. Real hard. Um, he, also uh, because his parents left him a butler to raise him. And he does a great job. He does, and but he should well, have That's like not enough. Let's not idolize him because the guy does grow up to be like a deranged vigilante. So like... Oh, the butler does an okay yeah. job. The butler kept him alive. You gotta, I, I gotta say this though, knowing how much money he had, um, which one day we should actually do how much money that is. Yeah. But, um, like the fact that he kept him from being like raised by sycophants and hangarons and everything else, like probably had to take a pretty hard line to keep him isolated, which is yeah. not necessarily healthy, but it's probably better than the alternative, which is like let him be mobbed by hanger-ons and, and people who are just there for his money. I don't yeah. know. Those kind of people turn out to be presidents sometimes. Political. Uh, uh, so the film, just to wrap up really quick, the film follows like his uh, search to become uh, uh, a man of the night. I don't know. That's the wrong way to put that probably. <laughs> I think you just described the movie American Gigolo. <laughs> Uh, so I'm a man he, of the night, <laughs> ladies. This is one of those like explain a movie plot badly hashtags. Like, child grows distraught. Child, <laughs> traumatic child. child grows up to be man of the night. <laughs> he wears fancy costumes. Whatever. He goes to ninja school and then he comes home and he. Oh yeah, he goes to ninja school in Tibet. He, in a nondescript, appropriative Asian country, I yeah. think. Um, in an Asian school that is run by a white man. Yes. Um, Sorry, the cat's battling me over whether or not he's allowed to eat the cords. He's not. Does he need to go in a box or something? He might need to go in a box. Okay. That's just a playpen in case this winds up in the episode. <laughs> you beat him it's with the hose. Like... <laughs> this is like, quick side note, this will probably not all make it into the podcast, but um, my parents used to threaten my dog with like they would get the hose because she hated getting sprayed with water. Yeah. But then like a couple of years into yelling, I'm going to get the hose, they realized that it didn't really sound like they were going to spray her with the hose. <laughs> Just, like, like they were going to beat her with a hose. hose. So then they would go, to spray you with water. <laughs> Which you won't like at all. <laughs> um, so, Batman attends this uh, appropriative ninja school and then um, goes on to return to Gotham to assume his control of his company. Um, there's some very uninteresting like office politics that happens behind the scenes, which I think we're actually largely going to cover here today. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you for listening to Make Believe Money. Well, uh, bye. No, it's just, and Nolan was very interested in making a Batman story and not so interested in making like The Wolf of Wall Street, clearly. Sure. Yes. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and he does so by uh, sort of taking over the research and development wing of Wayne Industries that he totally doesn't use to just develop a bunch of Batman tools. With his and buddy, Lucius Fox. anybody was paying attention, are totally just Batman tools. Yeah, they're Like, if you Batman walked tools. in that room, you're like, huh, I can make a really good Batman all of this stuff in here. <laughs> Weird. How come Batman 
Gyllenhaal's all these things. <laughs> and no one else. Yeah, this is honestly maybe my biggest problem with Batman of like, how does anyone halfway intelligent not just look at all the things he has and go, okay, he oh, has to Batman. be insanely wealthy. Hmm, who's insanely wealthy around here? Well, that limits it to like six people. And half of them of are which, like 85. Yeah, <laughs> five yeah. of them are 85. Ta-da, we and done did it. Oliver Queen's over there already mean the Green Arrow. So. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, and if you're going to cross uh, publishers, like we already have an Iron Man who like is open about the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it can't be yeah. Tony Stark. It's not and, Tony Stark, uh, and it's not going to be Oliver Queen. End yeah. of list. End of list. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be T'Challa because he's never in the U.S. He's mostly yeah. in Wakanda. So I feel like you'd know. Anywho. He's not Superman because that guy disappears when he puts glasses on. Right. Uh, so all of that said, tell us about the uh, terribly boring businessy part of Batman <laughs> Begins. Wait, wait, yeah. quick, do well, your ratings. ratings. Oh, yeah. doing ratings? Um... I enjoy Batman stories fine. I know a lot about them just because I was lucky enough to grow up during the age of the animated series. Oh, yeah. I love the animated series growing up. And it was um, still, I think, like one of the better depictions of Batman. Um, yeah. And like his whole gallery of characters that surround him. Yeah. Um, I love everything in that like DC animated universe, like the... Justice League series from a couple years after that. Oh, the, I loved that series. Yeah. Even up to Batman Beyond and all that stuff. So that stuff's all primo DC stuff for me. Uh, I can kind of take or leave a lot of the movies. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoy, uh, again, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Um, but my problems with all those are just my problems with Christopher Nolan. Sure. Um, uh, so all of that to say. How do you feel about Dark Knight Rises? Uh, (laughs) not good (laughs) not good like it just I don't think anybody who made it wanted to really Uh, okay like I think like uh, clearly they wanted to make it like they well they they put a lot of effort into it but it was like I think it was especially if Nolan had his like actual Druthers. Druthers of it that probably wouldn't have gotten made because I think that he was kind of um, over it emotionally yeah. after everything around The Dark Knight. Yeah, I just feel like maybe, you know, it was such a success. The studio wanted more money, frankly. and then, yeah, Absolutely. And then there was also just like, a, well, we you have to wrap up the story. Like, that was the emotional plea to him of like, just finish the, the big arc. And he was like, sure, we'll get to we'll, an ending. We'll go blow like, him up. Yeah, yeah. like quickly. He'll do something to redeem himself and then disappear forever and end of end, end of story. End of story. Yeah. Um, but for Batman Begins, what do you think? You're but for Bat, for if we're gonna zero in on just Batman Begins, I would probably put myself at like a seven because I watched this movie a ton. Um, I like when it was shiny and new and like an interesting thing to do with Batman. It was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and. Uh, Gotta keep in mind, coming out in like 2005, it was uh, kind of alone out in front in terms of like good, watchable superhero you know, superhero genre stuff. That's yeah. fair. Um, and of the Batman to the point, like that was like the we're gonna make Batman art now, like movement. Oh, uh, the first Burton one's good. Oh yeah, but like yeah. that was uh, I feel like that was when Burton was still thing. ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's more bad than there is good pre this movie. I feel like yeah. when oh, yeah. it comes to Batman. So, Dan, what do you think? Uh, if Damon's a seven, I'll put myself at a six. I know this movie pretty well. I probably am, I'm definitely not as deep as he is in the rest of Batman, though. I know it fairly well, but it's just it's exhaustive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if we're doing all of Batman, I would I would lower myself a little bit. But for this specific movie, uh, I know it pretty well. I watched it a lot. I know a lot about. You know, the making and what happened afterwards and the internet around it and just everything else. So I think six is probably fair for me. That's fair. What's up, Damon? Really quick. I think next year is 80 years of, of Batman. Batman. Yeah. So who's the longest around? Superman? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. he's at like 100? No, he's just... He oh, he's like 1930-something? 1938. Okay. Yeah. Um... I think I'll say a seven as well. I've did I did watch this book this book. I watched this book a lot. Um uh, Liz, this I think movie you need to book. lower your rating. It's not a book. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um I watched this movie a bunch because it was cool Batman. Um, but I've always been a really, really big fan of Batman, including the terrible movies. Like actually for a long time I was like Val Kilmer's my favorite Batman. <laughs> mm. Oof, <a> <laughs> It's Roger not the best Moore's movie. your favorite Bond, too, huh? <laughs> no, but it's Damon's favorite Bond. What? I like the one where he goes to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk off screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always liked... I've, I really loved the animated series. I watched all the DC-related animated TV shows and loved every single one of them. And I uh watch the crap out of batman beyond that was my favorite thing yeah i do want to add in my endorsement of that that was where i really like cut my teeth on batman yeah. and i love the hell out of that series and i would guy... watch that today if yes. it was if i could go get it you can't i can't it's on amazon, I it's on amazon. Prime. i was about to say it's now yeah. on i saw that the other day and i was like well heck yeah. that's gonna be bad for my productivity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the the guy who does the voice of the of the um Batman and Batman Beyond is uh, Eric, the brother in Boy Meets World. Oh, oh. well. Damn it, Terry. Liz. Terry. Yeah, yeah, Terry. That's his name. Terry Guinness. Yeah. Terry Guinness. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I'd say I'm probably at a seven. Oh, uh, this is nowhere, but uh, Kevin Conroy, <laughs> yeah. like famously. Uh, the Batman voice. The Batman, like. Totally, absolutely the best Batman. The Batman, like, yeah. The Batman. Um, he went to Juilliard with um, Christopher Reeve and uh, Robin Williams. Aw. Yeah, they were all freshmen together. Were they friends? Uh, I mean, Williams and Reeve famously were, but like... <laughs> and then Kevin uh, Conway was like, hey guys, can I come to whatever you're doing? And they were like, no, we're going to do cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did. And they did. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just a little piece of trivia. Yeah, peppered in on that's top cool. of that. I like that. So, also, Kevin Conroy is the best Batman. He is Batman, always and forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So specifically, tell us about the dumb businessy parts of Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you about the dumb businessy parts of Batman Begins. It's actually not so much about the dumb businessy parts about Batman Begins, and more about him taking over the research division and just waving his magic hand and saying, <laughs> I run this here. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always felt like the the whole, uh, I'm the heir to a business I left for a very long time and now I've returned barefoot with a bunch of kung fu knowledge is like, 
I don't feel like that's how businesses work. I think if you disappear for a very long time, businesses go on without you, right? Well, and it did. Um, in theory, I think the logic behind the movie is he leaves everything to Alfred. He gets declared dead. Um, Alfred, like, basically just always believes he's going to come back and, like, shepherds it for him and then gives it back to him when he comes back. Alfred's too good which, of a man. by the way, the gift taxes on that, hoofa doofa. That's yeah. a whole other thing, but... Very tax inefficient way to do it. Don't don't get declared dead. <laughs> don't get declared dead. <laughs> we don't get real advice, but <laughs> just, just don't. Pop back in once every seven years. Yeah, exactly. Like, Six years and like three hundred days, just yo. Not dead. All right, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Not dead. Bye. Going back um, to Tibet. It's possible though it was in a trust, especially since he was in a, a minor for some of that time right. where it maybe didn't pass on. Like, and was in just, like, a family trust that he could come back and, like, take control Resume. over when he yeah. got back. I was going to say, but generally, like, you don't get to just pick what... I, I don't know. I'm not a very wealthy business person, but, like, it seems to me, like, if you want to, like, come back in, you're a board member or something. You're not going to, like, be like, oh, now I'm the CEO. Well, like, he isn't. He never, he's never CEO. That's fair. There's a guy... And he, he... Basically, what happens is he comes in as a board member. And okay. there's another guy in charge... Who he then? The whole thing is the company's going public. In theory, this is actually not what we're talking about today. But here <laughs> we are. No, the company's going public. <laughs> Dan, I uses... asked to talk about the boring businessy parts That's about this fair. movie. <laughs> he uses the money he makes from his shares going public to then rebuy a majority stake in the public company. Oh, weird. And then he fires old man Gregory. I don't remember his name. And puts Lucius Fox in as as CEO. You know the the. The groundskeeper, angry old white old guy. guy. Yeah, it is. Oh. I was go. I was channeling my Scooby Doo there. I was like, I don't know, some old white guy who he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for that meddling Batman. Say, Mark my words, Bruce. This place is haunted. <laughs> um, they have a weird pirate ghost for no reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, actually, what we want to talk more about is is basically the fact that he just takes over the R and D department. Um, yeah. So. I think this means that this Wayne Enterprises exists in a world without Enron. So let's talk about Enron. Tap. Fill me in on that part, and then I'll tell you if you're right. Okay. <laughs> Enron was a company um, that... It was an energy company. Oh, okay. So it started by doing kind of your normal selling of energy. Um, but it kind of invented slash got into what's called the futures market, mm -hmm. which we've talked very briefly about when we talked about airlines which is that idea that you can buy energy kind of in the future, right? right. So like if I know I'm going to need, let's give a, an easy example. Let's say you run an ice cream shop and you, Liz, run an ice cream shop and you, Damon, own like a milk factory. <laughs> what a dream. <laughs> but like if you, you know, each make a dot, you sell your milk for $2 to Liz and you're making a dollar and she sells her ice right. cream for $3 and she's making a dollar. Well, if the price of milk goes up, Liz gets screwed. Yeah. And if the price of milk goes down, Liz is happy and you get screwed. So you both go to either a third party or maybe with each other or some combination, and you buy a contract that basically says, I'm going to sell my milk for $2. And if you can sell it for three, the person you sold this to makes profit. You have to, you basically, they make this extra dollar. But if it sells for one, then you get to still get your $2 out of it. And you know ahead of time what your price is going to be so you can kind of figure out what your operations need to look like and your supplies and everything else. And same with the ice cream. And it's actually used a lot for energy 
because we don't know like what oil prices are going to be or what coal prices are going to be. Right. And it's actually used a lot by farmers as well, right? Because you don't know at the beginning of the season what price you're going to be able to get on corn or oh, soybeans sure. or whatever. So you lock that in ahead of time, or at least some of it, maybe not your whole crop, but some of it in at least enough to cover like some of your production and maybe enough profit sort of thing. Huh. So I feel <clears throat> like this is what they do at the end of trading places. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> We're going to do this podcast. We're never going to do a Trading Places episode. No, we're going to do this podcast till next Christmas. We're going to do a Trading Places episode, and then Liz and I are going to tell Damon on air that we're done with this stupid And we're thing. leaving you. We pack everything up, and we just leave. Turn the lights off. Uh, possible. I, I just got to know. Trading Places it's been a long time. Uh, man, I feel like somewhere in your bedroom, Damon's just written Trading Places on all the walls. It's weird. <laughs> Makes it hard to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but this may be what happened. But anyway, what started to happen is they started to sell these contracts and they were the, what's called the counterparty. So it's like, hey, Damon, if you need oil at $50 a barrel, if you can't get it at $50 a barrel, I'll make you good, right? You sell me it at 40 and I'll give you the extra 10 and we'll make it good. And they started losing money on these. And they also started to... I was going to say, how to... do you make money that way? So in theory, then you also sell the other side. Sure. Right? Then you sell it to somebody else who's like, hey, you buy it 50 from me no matter what. And if it goes to 60, like, you owe me extra. Or, like, we'll make it good. And then since you're playing both sides, you can't really lose, right? You come out equal either way. Either somebody's paying you more and somebody else is paying... You're paying them and you... You keep yeah. everything it. even. The and what you way. actually do is you price it in such a way of, Damon, I'll buy it from you at 50 and Liz, I'll sell it to you for 51 no matter what. And you pocket that difference. Sure. Yeah. Right? It's in theory how it should work. But sure. these are fe- relatively new contracts and like it didn't work. And they wound up losing a ton of money. Huh. Um, and so what they would do actually um, is they did something called mark to market. It's a type of accounting. I know we're getting into accounting types. This is really exciting for our listeners. I'm ready for it. Hit me. So mark to market. In theory, what you do is you 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 literally do that. You mark it at a certain value, and that's what you report it at. So I started a factory that's going to make $100 million, so I report it on my books at $100 million. And then every so often, I go and I market to market again. So I say, hey, it actually is going to be worth more than I thought. It's way more efficient. So it's now $120 million. Or... Oh, actually, things don't aren't going as well as I thought, so it, um, it's only worth eighty million. So I need to take a twenty million dollar loss, mm-hmm. and you just kind of keep updating it as it goes along. Okay. Okay. What they would do is they would mark to market something, like so. Actually, I can give you an example. They started a contract with Blockbuster. Oh no! Where they said people are going to want to order movies online, which they were right. Yeah. Uh, but a little ahead of the time, <laughs> and so. Then they turned around um, and they went to a bank and said, hey, we have this thing with Blockbuster. It's going to make $100 million or something like that. Sure. Lend us $100 million and we'll pay you back with the earnings from this thing. And the bank was like, great, sure, we trust you. (laughs) Um, And so they got $100 million. And because they got $100 million on their books, they marked $100 million. And then the way it kept doing is they kept uh shoving their businesses into these special purpose vehicles is what they're called but they're off their books so then they don't have to mark it down because it's no longer on their books when it starts to fail so now they've made a hundred million dollars they say they've made a hundred million dollars they can show people they've made a hundred million dollars because it's in their account the bank gave it to them 
but they owe this bank a hundred million dollars that they this this venture by the by totally flopped didn't yeah. make anything so what now was there being one blockbuster left in america now? right well and in no end alaska runs. yeah and no uh, end run. uh so now the bank is owed like a hundred million dollars but like it might be not for a while or they might not know what's going on or what have you. So basically Enron shows this huge profit on this venture that basically failed. Ugh. And they kept doing this. They kept marking this like Damon agreed to pay me $50 for oil. Okay, now I'm going to write it off off of my books. And when it turns out that I'm going to lose a bunch of money on it, I don't have to update the mark to market because it's no longer on my books. It feels like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it basically was. I mean, it wasn't it's originally that way, but that's basically what it became is that like they didn't have enough money and they kept like using new money to like pay back old money but it eventually that's going to stop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um and they kept basically saying like they kept backing up these IOUs from banks with their stock and they just say, "Hey, you don't want to lend us 100 million dollars. I get that. We'll give you 100 million dollars in stock as like protection." Well, then when it started to come to light that all of their business ventures were failing, their stock price started going down. And so now the bank had lent them $100 million and had like $10 million of collateral. Uh. So that ain't going to work. So there, at one point, their share price was $90. Ooh. It dropped to $0.26 cents before then it went bankrupt. Oh, no. Um, yeah. It was, at one point, the seventh biggest company in the U.S. Oh. So I realized, I, it's so weird to me that people know what this is, but this is the equivalent of, like, CVS or IBM or Wells Fargo, something like that going out of business, like, tomorrow. Wow. It is bigger than Amazon right now, is right now. Wow. I mean, Ugh. maybe it doesn't touch your life as much, but in terms of, like, what this company was valued at. Yeah. Not maybe yeah. bigger than Amazon right now, but, like, Amazon is not the seventh biggest company in the U.S. Like, values okay. go up over time. Like, yeah. it was proportionally bigger at its peak than Amazon is right now. That's nuts. And it just went to zero. Dang. Dang. And I mean, it probably did touch a whole lot of people's lives if it was, like, a third party between energy. Indirectly, yeah. yeah. Well, not only that, the big thing is, is because it was such a great investment and skyrocketing, and again, I, we'll talk some personal finance. We can talk this one now couple of things happened one a ton of their employees had a pension they thought they were gonna get through this company oh, that shit. went out of nowhere and on top of that a lot of them put a ton of their 401k into company stock oh. because they got like discounted stock options and they just bought a ton of company stock and it went out of business i feel like i remember my parents talking about that yeah like how sad that was and scary for those people yeah so this is, and I mean, this rule has been around forever, but it, it hammered it home. They don't give real advice, but the kind of rule of thumb, in, in my opinion, is you should not have more than 5% of your net worth in your company stock. Like if they give you discounted shares, that's awesome, good for you. And if it's going up really quickly, like that's great. And I know that's hard to turn away from like, why would I buy something that's going up slower when my company's going up so big? But if you think about it, they're providing your salary then if you also have a ton of your wealth like tied up in them, well, when would you lose your job? When the company's doing poorly. So you would be likely, it, they're correlated that you would lose your job at the same time you would also lose a ton of your wealth. Oh my God, that makes me so sweaty to think about. So like, Ugh. again, you can have it, and especially if you believe in your company and you want to align your values. And sometimes if you're an executive, you have to hold a certain amount. But like, as much as you can, 
try to keep that fairly minimal, even if you do have a stock purchase plan. Like, that's great. I know there's tax consequences potentially to selling your shares, but when that makes sense, you really actually need to do it and, like, move it into new different things. It just makes sense. Dang. This has not come up for me. I don't think I own stock in my own company. There you go. Your company <laughs> may or may not be public. I don't, you don't think it is. I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. I would doubt. Just based on what they do, I don't think I it don't is. I don't think it's public. Yeah. yeah. So, how the hell does this tie into Batman? Tell me. So well, it seems pretty evident to me. Yeah. And Damon's got it figured out, so I feel like yeah. that's good. He'll explain yeah. it to me later. Yeah, okay. So, thanks. I assume the listeners got it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> So this all happened to Enron in 2002. This is when Enron went bankrupt. Um, And at the end, things got a little dicey. Yeah. For example, their auditors uh, started shredding documents so that they couldn't get criminally convicted, which, by the by, did not work, and they got criminally convicted. Doesn't say, that's not a good look. Uh Destroying evidence doesn't seem to make things better. Yeah, no. no. Uh, As much as Trump thinks it does. Uh, <laughs> anywho, so in 2002, uh, and this might have been 2001, well, 2001, 2002, in 2002, uh, there was a new law passed by Congress called the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. Sox. Sarbanes-Oxley is the character I play in World of Warcraft. <laughs> that actually would be a really good nerdy D&D character Wouldn't it be name. funny? <laughs> Ooh, I might have to name a Please character Sarbanes-Oxley. <laughs> Uh, anywho, or socks is what it's commonly called. Um, My friends call me socks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Sarbanes actually were two old white guys, so maybe their friends do now call them like socks. Socks. Yeah. As, yeah. Well, they're probably. You think they're dead? Uh, I don't think they're dead. This is like Twenty they're years not. ago. Still, huh? Maybe they're they dead. Might be dead. They're probably old white guys at the time. <laughs> we'll look up one of them. Do we think Sarbanes or Oxley? Is Let's still give alive? Oxley the best chance. He sounds more fun. Sarbanes sounds like a bad guy. This is going to be hard to find because I only know his last name. Oxley. Sarbanes. Yeah, I imagine he was a senator. He was. Robin of Oxley? Men in tights? The Sarbanes-Oxley Act. Do, 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 do. Mike Oxley. Mike? Uh, 2016. He died? He died. Oh. Yep. R.I.P. And also, Mike is a disappointing first got name. Got out while the going like was that. good. Ah, <laughs> uh, I sense a change yeah, of horizon. A, <laughs> yeah, if you're a senator, if you're a Republican senator, 2016 was a good time to kick it. <laughs> and Paul Sarbanes is still alive. Hey, good for you, No bud. longer in office, but still alive. How old is he? He was born in 33. So okay, so he's old as old. my grandmother. Yeah. And my grandmother is no longer with us, so there you go. There you go. Anywho, two old white guys two came up with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which what it did is it, in, we don't need to get into all the, the things it did, but the big four is it put in new protections on um, for people of like what has to be reported in accounting and how it can be reported and like w- ways that has to be shown. That seems good. Uh, and so it increased accounting regulation. That's kind of two. It increased criminal punishment, both for uh, auditors as well as for like, uh, C-level executives Ooh. for they can now be like much more personally liable Ooh. if they know Ooh, shit's okay. going wrong. Um, you saw that in the uh, in the financial crisis when we basically convicted nobody. <laughs> 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 
tears. <laughs> tears, tears, tears. And it, uh, yeah, and it, so it upped, in theory, corporate responsibility. So the point is... In theory. It is much harder to get away with accounting shenanigans now than it was pre the Sarbanes-Oxley Act because they changed a bunch of things and standardized a bunch of things about how things had to be reported and what had to be reported and where it had to be reported and to whom it had to be reported and how you got audited and all these other sorts of things. But is that actually just theoretical? Because it does feel like no one gets any kind of consequences for doing bullshit. Yes and no. Um, Companies are a little bit more liable. I wouldn't actually focus on that side. Okay. I don't know how well that worked. How much like actual corporate leaders and even the companies themselves are really liable, but from an actual transparency on their books and their records, that seems to have worked. Oh. Uh, I mean, we have had, I would argue, far fewer accounting scandals, and those that we have had have been a far smaller magnitude post this act. Um, so, I mean, yeah. It seems like it doesn't really work out, too. So, like, maybe they just found a better way of being shitty. They always find a better way to be shitty. Well, like, there's no Enron anymore. So, like... I'm lost. Wait, you mean, like... So, like, the the thing that Enron was doing... Right. Got them dissolved. Right, yeah. Uh, If I were running a company that I wanted to do some shifty things in order to make more money than I would just playing ball i would be shitty in a different way yes. so that <laughs> i myself that do not become dissolved <laughs> true yes totally but if you have to be much more transparent about where all of your money's going i'm not saying it can't be done i'm not saying accounting fraud doesn't exist i'm just saying it makes it harder to do any sort of accounting fraud if there's more visibility into where all the money's going i mean i just had to say that i'm being audited and then nobody has to look at my papers ever ever <laughs> so that's not true part of this is like you have to hire an independent auditor now um but does that work for presidents well no <laughs> this is for businesses well corporations are people then so yes, that's true clearly the, the laws should have corporation would have had to i guess maybe because it's nonprofit. i don't know the ins and outs of all that but nonprofit. uh i again i don't know all the ins and outs of all that sure. but in theory yes i get what you're saying and i'm not trying to make the argument that the world is perfect or that the accounting system is perfect but however this law worked it seems like this law at least made things better That's and you good. know better don't let that whole don't let uh, perfect be the enemy of good excuse me like i think that seems to have worked at least in this case where it's yeah. better if not perfect yeah totally well, I mean, like that's with any law. You just want it to breed a better case, a better class of criminal. Ultimately, <laughs> you know? exactly. So, Make it harder for a Batman to fight. Yeah, and then you let Batman fight the rest. Yeah, and again, the system isn't perfect. Like there was some semi-illegal things, but also like not super illegal things that caused the financial crisis. They just shouldn't have been done. Yeah, ethically. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it just like rules didn't make economics. any sense. Yeah. and right. then they did them anyway, and it it didn't work so yeah you know the short-sightedness of like well i won't that's future me's problem <laughs> yeah exactly or somebody else will be left holding the bag right like i'll in this die potato. <laughs> yeah maybe i'll be dead by then Wouldn't what's that, that saying <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> the, the rule uh, the world grows rich when great men chop down trees that they don't care if they sit in the shade of or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. however like that, that goes <laughs> that's the saying yeah okay so how do we figure that batman didn't have that happen because he could take over his R&D department? Because he walks in to Lucius's 
uh, his lair. His, <laughs> yeah. his lair. His den. His fox cave. His yeah. fox den. His fox, fox den. den. There it is. We found it. You yeah. know he has something that like his granddaughter made him that says oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's knit in the corner somewhere. Yeah, and then it says like do it for her, but with pictures of his granddaughter all over it. Yeah. And he says that they just wrote off. He literally says in the movie that he wrote off the entire research department and just mothballed it. That's his excuse why no one ever comes down there. Well, why did they even have it then? Well, I mean, they had it in theory to, like, build new products that they then sold to people. Yeah, but, like, if they don't need it anymore, you don't need to keep having it, right? Well, that's the thing. Is like, you still got to keep your stuff somewhere. I mean, yeah. In you theory, went in the closet. You're not going to auction that stuff off. Like, In theory, what you would have done is you would have liquidated it to whomever your supplier was and destroyed the rest. But it's more about the fact that they took an entire division of advanced <laughs> military research and wrote it off. <laughs> Just like, made nah. it disappear off of their books in some way. Yeah. How does one write something off? So in theory, writing something off or writing something down is legitimate. Um, so let's say I bought a company tomorrow mm-hmm. and I said uh, I thought it was worth $100 million and I get in there and it's a whole mess and it's not <laughs> worth what I thought it was and like sales are falling and everything else. Then I might say, hey, it's actually not worth the $100 million I thought it was. Because normally when you buy a company, you buy partially for what it actually has in the assets and what it's actually worth today. But you buy it with future expectations. Like, I think it's worth more than it is right now because either it's going to grow or I can make it run more efficiently because I do something similar so we can merge our operations or whatever. Or it's got some great brand. And then if you find out because you bought it, and this actually happens, let me give you an example that I think is fun in the real world. This happens all the time with breweries. Like, small little breweries are great and they're growing and they're wonderful, and then, like, Anheuser-Busch buys them and is like, why can't we get this brewery to grow anymore? And it's because people who like buying local craft beer know Anheuser-Busch bought it and go, fuck you. Yeah. Now, it's very small potatoes for Anheuser-Busch, but what they might do is they might say, hey, they're only making $3 million a year, but we're buying them for 30 because they're growing 30% a year. And then if it never grows again, you have to say, listen, we had it on our books worth 30 but it's actually only worth five or ten because it's just never going to get to be what we thought it was going to be. Right? Does that kind of make yeah. sense? Yeah. And then in writing it off, are, is that less than like a tax burden that you have from like the purchase? Or like what Like what does... Or like, is that what's just... What's your steps to take? That, to like, does that just affect like the valuation of your company right. at no. market? Your then? company's okay. just worth less. Because I see. instead of having a thing that's worth $100 million, you have a thing that's worth $70. $20 million, yeah, right? Okay. A, you lose some of what it's actually worth, and B, you're also telling the world, like, hey, we thought it was going to sell really big, and it's not going to sell really big anymore, and the stock might have had that priced in of, like, hey, it only makes $2 million now, but it's going to make $10 million in the future, and then they're like, oh, I guess it's not. Okay. Okay. That was the piece I was missing. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, so what it, that did. What yeah, that it, like, lowers the value of your company, okay. basically. But you have to do that again. Because of things like Sarbanes-Oxley, where you can't just keep it at $100 million and be like, it's all fine, la, 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 la. Like, it's actually not worth as much, and so you kind of have to tell the world that. Okay. But Wayne um, Enterprises has never had to tell anyone that they don't. We don't know. It just seems odd yeah. to me that they write off an entire division. Yeah, that's a big piece. Like, an acquisition, sure. Or, like, parts of an acquisition, sure. Or... 
parts of a new project, sure. Or, or like old inventory. That happens a lot in like um, like clothing companies. Like, oh, hey, yeah. you know, we made 50 million polka dot dresses. We sold 40 million. We still have 10 and just nobody's buying polka dots anymore. So we're writing off these dresses that like we're going to sell to Ross and let them sell oh. like for cheap and we don't want them anymore. Liz will buy them all. I guess that is very suspect then given the nature of the department that they did that with. Yeah, especially of any department to pick. Assuming because like research and development, like while that probably costs a lot of money up front, like theoretically would be a major source of income yeah, down right. the and line. The thing you that keeps can't you just going. like be done with research and development, especially in a type of company that, I mean, they work in every sector. Yeah. You like, yeah. But like, a lot of the sectors they work in is are high technology. Right. Yeah. Like, that's not really an effort you write off. I mean, you can put money into it and it cannot develop into anything. And you can say, hey, we put $10 million into this and we thought it was going to be something and it's not. And now it's not worth $10 million. Yeah. But the thing there is, like, if you're burning the cash to do it, you don't have to write it off. Like, because you're penalizing yourself. We no longer have that cash. Yeah. Right. Writing it off is more of like, we think it's worth X and now it's not. Oh. Right. But we didn't put that much money into it. Right, so if I bought... You're pretty much devaluing yourself for no reason. For no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you just, like, they just make it disappear. Like, does that mean they're not... Are they trying to tell the markets, like, we just don't do R&D anymore? Maybe they outsourced it to another company, but you never hear about that at all. And, like, they still technically do those things because they can make all the Batmobiles and junk. Yeah. Right, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like... I mean, in the... In, I will say in this movie, it seems like he's just picking up things that are left over. That's fair. But, but in, like, in the, the Batman f- legacy overall, yeah. like, he continues to develop new things for... And I guess not in... It is in this one. No, it's in the Dark Knight. of video screens Yeah, or he, like, that's is Dark developing Knight. new technology to, like... Well, they make his suit the better. Yeah, the whole they do thing. make his suit better. Yeah, they so keep like, improving his face mask in the first movie. That like cracks a bunch. Right. So in theory, yeah. like money is going into this division that is off the books entirely, and like was written off and is no longer being tracked. Yeah, and they're ordering new supplies from places. Now, some of that I think is his personal money. Okay. Yeah. When they like order masks. And yeah, stuff they get like, like, like a that. big box of masks. Right. Like and like the throwing. Uh, the stars, stars and all yes. that. Like, yeah. I think that's his personal money. But there's other things. Well, like, the tumbler is the big thing. Yes. Right. Clearly. But and that's like, something that they had around, and he's like, that's something they had around. Come in black. But, like, that is, like, a, that's, this is my big concern with it, is, like, that is, you can, like, deprioritize the department, like, no longer invest money into it, but that, like, the tumbler specifically is, like, a major asset that they have. Like, that is just... Even just in materials cost, like that's a a big chunk of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That I imagine they will have to say what happened to it at some point, right? Right. I mean, you would like, think so. Unless I, they have a ton of them, and that losing one would not be would like be a blip on there. I mean, the argument there, I guess, is that like you just say it's still in the warehouse, and unless somebody comes to check, how do you know? Yeah. And nobody but, like, goes to look at anything in Fox's den. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at because I still have this stuff from The Incredibles. Do I have a? Do you have a Batmobile? I'm in trying there? to decide. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have anything that's a good. I have mostly helicopters in here. Well, I have a few vehicles, but they're not like. Yeah. 
That's the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does apply to the third, third one. one. Yeah. So again, like, <laughs> there was uh, I found something from Forbes that suggested that uh, Wayne Enterprises would have had sales of thirty billion ish in two thousand seven. Okay. okay. Which, if it just increased with inflation, which maybe could be more or less, it would be about forty billion right now, thirty-nine billion right now. Okay. Okay. So it'd be the same size as Oracle. Okay. Oof. Okay. Oracle puts six billion dollars into R and D a year. Yeah, there's no way they don't. And they're not an arms manufacturer. And they're not an arms <laughs> manufacturer. <laughs> You're telling me that they just wrote off this division? Like, don't get me wrong. Don't make weapons like you're telling me it just they're just like nah eh, skip it whatever we'll just buy it so I, I just that's weird it strikes me that either they are to damon's point and you kind of get a bad feeling for the old ceo like you're yeah, supposed to not good yeah either they figured out how to do old crimes in new and better ways <laughs> or not this being... is a world where Enron never happened, and, and the to... oversight is much lower, and they can do things like just wave their hands and say, <laughs> eh, what research division? You shut up in your face. <laughs> Get out of here. You're fired. <laughs> and so is your granddaughter. Uh, Dan, I never thought that I would find any of that interesting. That's a lie. I thought it was going to be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to now say, but it was. But it was. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need, did, I need I that validation, was, Liz, damn I, it. I was like, I bet this will be interesting because it's a lot of things that I don't know very much about. And in the end, uh, it was right. For as much flack as like Gotham gets in inside the Batman like universe, oh, yeah. uh, the American government is failing in some way. Because, I mean, oh, super hard. Yeah. Gotham's a they lose, They lose that like microwave gun thing. And Homeland Security doesn't show up looking for it. Yeah, there's like, like literally, yeah. I, it's like the U.S. Wh- rode off. What? Gotham. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> They're like, eh, it's not and as I mean, worth it's, as much as we thought it would. Yeah, be. unless I, Gotham I mean, is like a like a semi-autonomous like protectorate. It's a nation state. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I mean, it could be full of poor people in Michigan. Mm-hmm. What? Real world tie-in. <laughs> That's very sad, but it's very true. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, there's something like seriously wrong with just kind of all oversight in this world. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's something I actually don't really like about Christopher Nolan, especially like Dark Knight Rises, that it sort of like pins the like you have to have a rich man to come and save you poor people because you're too stupid to figure it out on your own. And like, kind of. But not because they're bad. So they did some... send all those police down into the, the tunnels for like no reason. I get it. So here's some <laughs> weird headcanon. Is Batman set in like the 40s just with today's technology? Because if you think about it, like the mob has way too much power and kind of runs a government in a way that like kind of existed in some major cities and like. And if it does still exist, the we accounting have no idea. rules are much looser, and like the the federal government seems to be have much less oversight. Almost feels like it's the forties. Yeah, it's just like current day technology. Yeah, I think yeah. that happens with a lot of superhero movies. Actually, that it's like wherever the time period they were like written in, it kind of only works then. So modern day retellings just sort of like hand Avoid wave it. around yeah. yeah like any of the bits that don't seem right and that's why i think the animated series was great because it like obscured the time period case in point take a look at the 
stretches that Marvel has to go to to keep Peter Parker involved with <laughs> a functioning newspaper. <laughs> oh God! On yeah. an ongoing <laughs> basis, he's like he writes their blog now. Like you're really like what? <laughs> like uh, take no. pictures of Spider Man and put them on my desk. Jameson's a great character, but like no, times have changed. Sense. Yeah, he doesn't show up. There's like not any of that in the like. Disney Marvel version. Not yet, no. You think there will you be can't, in, in Spider-Man prom? I don't think you, could, you can replace uh, J.K. Simmons. No, but they should just keep hiring him. They should. He could be well, he's, Jameson he's, forever. Yeah, he's for Gordon forever. now, though. He's what? He's Detective Gordon now, though. That's kind of dumb. I mean, unfortunately, we don't pay our civil servants a lot. Maybe he has two jobs. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> at newspaper a, reporter at by day, news- police commissioner by night. <laughs> <laughs> That is kind of a brilliant idea. Like that, I like that idea for the Nolan one. I haven't applied that to it yet. I know. I kind of want to go rewatch it, assuming that's the case. Like ignore the technology, but like place it in the fifties. I mean, especially like when you look at the you look at that Art Deco train in the Mm -hmm. like that's a public service project that would not get done today. Correct. Even if a billionaire did it for us, like. Even if a billionaire did it for us. Yeah, the best we can Elon. do is get uh, dominoes to fill in potholes, so. Yeah. Maybe Elon and Musk And Elon will. Musk to turn us into goo. Yeah. Like, the idea makes sense, but I'm still, I, I'm not a physicist. How do you stop something going 200 miles an hour without f- me flying into a bulkhead and turning into goo? I'm not going to get on it because I know my uterus will just fly around my body if I do. <laughs> uh, I think the answer is not all at once, Dan. Well, yeah. Not all at once. Very slowly. You know, it's like falling. It's not yeah. the falling that kills you. It's the, the stop. stopping. <laughs> um, um, so very quickly, personal finance. Yeah. Again here, kids. Well, so one, don't hold say. all of your company stock. And what that basically means is I know we're harping on it in these three episodes, but diversification. Yeah. Don't hold one company. Even big companies that seem like they're the answer to all our prayers can have problems. <laughs> A la, everybody liked Facebook, and now it looks like maybe down the line they might get broken up by the government, or at least there'll be some sort of, like, privacy law that will hurt them badly. Fingers crossed. Amazon might take a huge hit if they, like, can't use the federal post system because Trump has a bee up in his bonnet, right? Like, big companies are subject to specific risks that won't hurt the whole economy, even good ones. Like, I'm not knocking those companies. They might be well-run. They might be well-capitalized, but, like... I didn't say they're good. I just said they're well-run and well-capitalized. Like sure. big, any individual company has very specific risks yeah. that you can get around if you get a little bit of everybody. It's going to be so interesting in like 20 years if Facebook does get like torn apart to like talk to our kids about what that was and what like like all of the like there's commercials they're like mea culpa commercials that like still are running yeah, right now and they're but on like, the bus stops everywhere yeah. like we're gonna show you more of your friends now and they're very very poorly designed and it makes me very upset they're so cruddy looking well um, you do that in an afternoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did have them up like the next day yeah they're like quick <laughs> um shut up and sit down just did a a review of a board game that's not out yet but it's all about like data and, like, Ooh. you move around the board and you leave cubes behind for, like, the government to find. Ugh. It sounded so cool, and I want to buy it badly. I'm and a I little don't remember unsettling. the name, but I will look at it. But, like, I'm going to buy the shit out of that game. That sounds cool. It. I'm into it. Last thing, if you want to be an individual stock investor, which you can do if you have, like, a sandbox money that you're okay just playing with. Don't put money in a sandbox. Well, 
It's, so it's easy to bury. It's got cat poop in there. <laughs> You're going to get E. coli. Um, read their 10Ks, their annual reports. They have to report certain things based on Sarbanes-Oxley. So if you really want to know what a company does, read their 10Ks, listen to their analyst calls. It's the best way to get to know a company. And don't just pick it because you think you like it. Like, that's your, your stock investing tip 101. Know what it is you're buying. Yeah, that's good advice. I was interested to see how this would turn around to, like, something personal finance because it seems so much... Like, the reason why I didn't really know much about it was, first, I was, like, 15, but then, like, also, you know, the... Like, it seems so much bigger than a single person's could have any influence over, and it seems like you can in a small way. Yeah, again, coming inwardly. Yes, yes. Not for, like, to help the company Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have changed it, but you could have either. Unless you sat down with the, like, CEO of Blockbuster in 1995 and been like, listen. Things are going to turn Things are going to (laughs) change. you got to get on it now. (laughs) Um, You're going to make an enemy of literally just one guy in, like, six months, (laughs) and he's going to destroy your entire company. (laughs) I'm so sorry. You should should run now. And, like, faster than you think. (laughs) It's going to be weird how quick it turns around. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. It's just, again, for you personally, if you don't know what you're buying, there's a chance it's going to break down. So then buy a lot of everything so you can only be wrong so many times. Yeah. Instead of being really wrong on one big bet. That's why I let my 401k be pretty widespread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just in case. Anyway, thanks for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. I've been Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting for that the whole episode. I've been Dan. (laughs) Um, As always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Uh, For real, that helps us out a lot. And um, if you haven't already, please tell three people who don't know about this show about us because the more people, the better. Um, thanks as always to our composer Charles E. Miller for her music catch her at charlesemiller.com or listen to her forever and a day on Spotify because it'll be great and our um, winner got in touch oh, with me yeah. I don't remember the exact charity but we're donating to like helping uh, poor kids get into schools good That's schools great. so it's yeah it was a really great charity oh yeah good, good work looking out it was my friend Pat actually Ah, that's nice hey Pat thanks for listening um uh, catch us on our Instagram, MBM podcast. Uh, email us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. We're not going to, you know, donate any more money to your thing, but we, we can talk about how you like charities. That sounds great. Uh, and do, you know, um, be kind. Rewind. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> Bye. I'm the kingdom of Sarbanes Oxley. <laughs>